0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, June 1st. I'm Julia Caulfield.
1: And I'm Matt Hoysh.
0: In today's headlines, remembering Stephen Gluckstern.
1: Telluride Medical Center opens new Chair 7 Clinic.
0: Talking gourds takes to the streets.
1: And a mountain weather forecast. But first... San Miguel County Search and Rescue responded to a call in Upper Bear Creek over Memorial Day weekend after a 26-year-old Denver woman sent out an SOS distress call. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, the woman was on a camping trip with her husband and dog when she slipped on some scree and twisted her ankle. The group was airlifted from the scene to the airport, where the woman received care from Telluride Fire Protection District EMS personnel.
0: Wendy Brooks' first memory of Stephen Gluckstern predates him even moving to Telluride. She was part of a group looking to hire a new superintendent for the Telluride School District in the 1970s.
2: Someone decided we should advertise in the New York Times uh, for a superintendent of schools for Telluride, which we did. And we ended up hiring a very young Amherst graduate named Stephen Gluckstern.
0: Stephen's wife, Judy Gluckstern, remembers that first touchdown in Telluride as well. Stephen and I first
3: went there in 1976 when he was interviewing the first time for the superintendency and stayed in what was the dollhouse at that point um, for $9.50 a night. (laughs) And uh, we'd never been there before. And it was a blizzard. And it was kind of, yeah, kind of crazy. We woke up and it was just spectacular. One of those bluebird days where it had snowed, you know, a couple of feet overnight. And we looked out our our window, which was facing um, out to the end of the canyon, and we were just like, couldn't believe it. But we both had wicked headaches because of the altitude. So, (laughs) but that's the beginning of all of that.
0: Stephen Gluckstern passed away on May 29th in Santa Fe, New Mexico, after losing a battle with brain cancer. He was 71 years old. Moving to Telluride to lead education in the community, Gluckstern was a teacher through and through. Here are his children, Sarah and J.D. Dad was a teacher uh,
3: in all senses of the word. He started his career as an educator. You know, uh, our family ended up in Telluride because he was the superintendent of schools. He eventually ended up in business, but he never stopped teaching. Um, but, you know, whether it was official or providing advice or um, just he had the best time when he got to share knowledge and teach and
4: think through problems. Whether it was educating himself uh, about things, you know, he brought so much passion to all of his projects and would educate himself very quickly on those things. And then kind of educate everyone around him about those things as well. And just, I know in myself and my sister, he always, really instilled the importance of education and what it meant to him. Um, You know, in his case, yeah, that meant graduate degrees and things like that, but it wasn't just about kind of the schooling. It's about the act of learning and the curiosity that drives that. Um, And then what comes from the act of learning, all the new paths that open up as you learn about subjects and open yourself up to new thoughts and ideas.
0: Among his many achievements, Gluckstern helped found the Telluride Academy. He raised money for the Palm Theater. He supported countless other arts and education nonprofits and brought the famous Telluride Penny Bear to town. For Sasha Cuccinello, artistic director at Telluride Theater and a friend of Gluckstern's, he was instrumental as a new artist moving to the region. Stephen, over the years has been
5: um, a father figure, a mentor, an advice giver.
0: Um, you know, when I needed to be smacked around a little bit, he's totally done that as well. And he stepped in when people needed help. Erin Reese remembers when she was starting the Telluride Fire Festival. I, I felt sort of panicked about what we had embarked on
5: and, and thinking, oh, wow, I don't know if we can do it. Where are we going to get the money? And one day he just,
3: I picked up the phone and it was Stephen and he says, what do you need?
0: I mean, that was, that makes me want to cry. What do you need? really genuinely kind, wanting to help us. Gluckstern spent his final days in New Mexico, but for JD, Telluride was where he was most at home.
4: He always felt a very comfortable version of himself in that town. Like seeing him riding his those stupid three-wheeled scooter down Main Street, <laughs> um, he just always felt very at ease and like a very, like, a complete version of himself in Telluride. It, it suited him and his personality, and um, I always really enjoyed the version of my dad that I got when we were in Telluride.
0: Cuccinello says Glockstern is Telluride. He taught me what Telluride was, was that you're not just in your lane,
5: you're collaborating, you're working on all these different things, and no matter what, you're all
0: supporting each other because my success is your success, is your success, is your success. But talk to those who knew and loved him. Gluckstern's energy, passion, and light is what lingers. Brooks again.
2: He even had a certain twinkle in his eye. And I would only go to him when I had something I was really stuck about or something I really needed badly. And he would usually get this, this look on his face and then he would start talking and Stephen's mind, it it was a restless mind. It it could never stop coming up with new and different and better ways to organize the universe.
0: For J.D. and Cuccinello, he was an electric member of the cosmos.
4: He was just like a ball of energy um, and all sorts of types of energy, you know, loving energy, creative energy, intellectual energy. And he had a gravitational pull because of that. He he was just somebody that kind of sucked you in and and left a mark on you.
5: We all remember Stephen as this vibrant tornado of energy and his laugh, and his joking and his um, constant, I mean, he was always working on something and had a new idea and a new business going and a new thing he was doing that he wanted to share with you. So for me, I think, the way I think people will remember him is his energy. I mean, he, their family calls themselves the lucky, lucky stars. And for me, Steven's just like a perpetual shooting star. Like he's traveling at eons, light years at speed, and then he's burning everything up behind him because he's just like this beautiful energy moving into the cosmos.
0: Moving into the future, Gluck Stern's family hopes everyone takes a page from how he lived his life to the fullest in this big, exciting,
3: and passionate and generous manner. He really lived life, if that makes sense. And I think that's what uh, really honors him, is for people to do the same. And sing and dance, (laughs) because that's what he did a lot. At any given moment in a restaurant or anywhere else, if something came to him, he would just be singing along or just singing (laughs) whatever it occurred to him. So, um, yeah, singing and dancing. Everybody should
0: do that. Stephen Gluckstern is survived by his children, Sarah and J.D., his wife, Judy, and the countless other lives he touched.
1: On Wednesday, the Telluride Regional Medical Center opened its new Chair 7 Clinic at the base of the
6: lift in Cimarron Lodge. Today was the very first day. I I saw one person here yesterday. Okay, so but it, soft opening. Yes, soft opening, it, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Dr. Sharon Grundy is the Med Center's primary care medical director. The new satellite office comes as the Med Center nears the end of their lease in the depot building, which they'd been using for respiratory care throughout the pandemic.
6: So we wanted to go ahead and shift our direction and figure out what we were going to do. So sometime last year, we started planning what our next steps were because there continues to be many steps to covid-19 and its impact on healthcare
1: the team decided to move respiratory complaints to an area in the med center which meant they had to relocate some primary care to the new building as for the type of care that will happen in the new clinic
6: i think we'll do a lot of wellness visits over here um, some well child checks eventually follow up of medications mental health visits rash i can do skin biopsies over here We can do a lot of stuff over here.
1: The med center, Grundy explains, also hopes to use the extra
6: space to host group therapy sessions. Self-help, relationship, group session, addiction. Uh, So there's a big inner space in this building uh, or in this office space. So we're hoping to maybe be able to do that some after hours or over lunch.
1: But Grundy adds some things won't be available at the Chair 7 clinic.
6: This first couple of months, we're not doing a lot of vaccines over here. So all vaccines will be in the main building. Um, So childhood vaccines, tetanus shot, et cetera. We also don't have x-ray over here, and we won't have x-ray over here. So if you have a, a knee injury, a broken bone, you fell off the trampoline and hurt your wrist, you and your child need to go to the schedule at the main facility.
1: But don't expect the Chair 7 Clinic to stay for the long haul. The Telluride Hospital District notes the new clinic is a short-term step. The district continues to work on plans for a larger hospital facility at Society Turn. Once, and if, that comes to fruition, Grundy anticipates the whole organization will move out there.
6: There's still a lot of steps to go through for us to actually be able to break ground. Uh, So we are expecting about three years to continue to work in this type of situation.
1: As for the name of the new clinic, Grundy says the hope is people will be able to easily find it. That proved hard with the previous depot clinic.
6: The depot building is funny. You'll go through a list of trying to explain what building it is, and eventually you have to say the old AHA building. (laughs) And for some people, you have to say Harmon's Old Restaurant.
1: (laughs) So far, the new clinic is running well. Laura Cattell is a physician assistant with the Med Center. She says her opening morning went better than she expected.
6: It's amazing. So much more organized and it feels great down here. Really positive energy.
1: She isn't alone in her enthusiasm. Jimena Rebollero-Leon is a nurse in primary care. This is just an exciting place to be. Everything looks um, nice, modern, open, which considering I've been in the depot and the testing site feels very um, refreshing and exciting. And in case you were wondering... All three are considering the possibilities to make it out on the slopes during breaks in the winter. Here's Grundy.
6: That's one of my favorite ski runs right there. <laughs> Under Chair Seven is like my lifetime favorite ski run, and on a good powder day, nobody ever like very few people are skiing it because they all try to go to the upper part of the mountain. I call it Seven on Seven. Try to get seven laps on Seven.
1: In the meantime, if you schedule a medical visit, Grundy suggests double checking if it's at the Maid Med Center building or the new. Chair 7 Clinic. As I was leaving the space after my opening day visit, some appropriate music was playing over the speakers. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all
2: need somebody to leave.
0: For the past two years, the Talking Gourds poetry program has met in Zoomed screens, sharing a love of poetry. But now, it's taking to the streets. A lot of folks were saying, oh, gosh, we'd really like to get together in person again. It's just a different energy. That's Art Times, co-director of Talking Gourds, and the inaugural featured poet of the new Walking Talking Gourds poetry event.
7: I just got done two years of cancer, and I've been really out of it. I wasn't sure I was coming back. So it looks like I'm back, and so I'm going to be the first one. We hope to have uh, uh, various people, you know, we have a poet laureate, some... Uh, Ex-Poet Laureates in San Miguel County and the Western Slope here in in our county. So there's a lot of local people to draw on.
0: He says that drawing on local talent is the goal. So
7: we talked to Kate Jones over in Austin over at the uh, Taylorin Arts and decided we'd join up with Art Walk and have a series called Walking, Talking Gourds, on the first Thursday of every month.
0: Good Times says he hopes to honor poetry and storytelling together and expose members of the community to poetry they may never have experienced. To Good Times, poetry is like opera.
7: Opera is one of the most amazing art forms in Western tradition because it encompasses dance and singing and writing and poetry and music. It's really quite spectacular when done well. The nice thing about poetry is that it's one voice, What you don't need a band, you don't need an instrument, all you need is your voice, and so it's a very simple, and everyone has access to it, and those that do it really well transform language into incredible meaning, and so for those that have never experienced poetry that actually touches you, and not just some boring, rote-read kind of uh, lyrics. Then, uh, Walking Talking Gourds or the poetry series we've had, Talking Gourds, I think it's really important.
0: The event will include a featured reader with the opportunity for other poets to share their work. In addition to those coming to listen, Good Times says Walking Talking Gourds is a powerful opportunity for those, maybe new or younger poets, to share work in front of an audience.
7: It's really exciting to read your stuff out loud because you get to see what people's reactions are. And sometimes, they're quiet. Sometimes they're laughing. We're a kind of noisy crowd, so we will make noises when we hear something that we like or dislike. It's just the way we are. And so that opportunity for local writers is a good one. For the wider public, it's an opportunity to see poetry in action and dynamic poetry done by friends. It's like going to community theater. Uh, Live events like this are really kind of exciting to see your friends doing things you maybe didn't expect them
0: to. Of course, Good Times can't leave without sharing a teaser for Poetry Night called
7: Honesty. I told everyone I loved her him. I told her him I loved everyone. Oh boy, Honesty. Now nobody wants to see me.
0: The first Walking Talking Gourds Poetry event will take place this Thursday, June 2nd at 6.30 p.m. at the Sheridan Opera House Show Bar patio.
1: The town of Mountain Village is implementing water restrictions due to dry conditions. The restrictions apply to outside irrigation in Mountain Village, Ski Ranches, Elk Run, and Skyfield. Under the water restrictions, all properties north of Mountain Village Boulevard and Elk Run residents may only water their landscaping on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays before 8 a.m. or after 7 p.m. with irrigation clocks set to 70-75% to of normal water consumption. Properties south of Mountain Village Boulevard, plus ski ranches and Skyfield, may only water their landscaping on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays before 8 a.m. or after 7 p.m., with irrigation clocks set to 70-75% to of normal water consumption. All exterior water features must be turned off, and no trucked-in water will be allowed to be hooked up to existing irrigation systems. Mountain Village's water restrictions went into effect on Wednesday, June 1st.
0: Is it unethical to have a child in the 21st century? How can we love another person with all of their imperfections and insecurities? What does it mean to be a good person in our increasingly complex world? Those are some of the big questions at the heart of lungs, a play by English playwright Duncan Macmillan that follows two people in what Macmillan describes as, quote, "...a single conversation that spans a lifetime." This week, Telluride Theater, with support from Telluride Arts, is putting on a reading of the two-person play featuring local actors Mary Higgins and K.O.T.O.'s own Matt Hoysh. Performances are free and no tickets are required, but seating is very limited on a first-come, first-served basis. The two readings of Lungs will take place at Telluride Arts HQ Gallery on Telluride Main Street Thursday, June 2nd and Friday, June 3rd at 8.15 p.m.
1: The 2022 Mountain Film Festival has officially wrapped up with a number of films taking home top awards. Refuge won the Student Choice Award. The film follows Chris Buckley, a husband, father, veteran, and former KKK leader. Hevel Kelly, a Syrian refugee, Muslim, and doctor. And Arno Michaels, an extremist interventionist as they work to forge connection between Buckley and Kelly in the hope of transcending and transforming deep-seated hatred and fear. The Women in Film Award went to The Neighborhood Storyteller, a film that looks at the power of reading, storytelling, and art while living in a refugee camp. Pasang in the Shadow of Everest won the Charlie Fowler Best Adventure film. That film follows Pasang Lamu Sherpa, a Nepali climber blazing trails for female climbers in her country. The Moving Mountains Award went to The Territory, which looks at an indigenous tribe in the Amazon as they fight the forces of cultural genocide. Meantime, one best short film, that follows Michael Workman and his father Tim, who is struggling with memory loss, as they reflect on the past and the chapters of life between father and son. Bad Axe won Best Documentary. That film follows a family's struggle to keep their restaurant afloat during the pandemic, paired with involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement and the intersection of the personal and the political. And finally, the prized Audience Choice Award went to The Holly. The film investigates a fatal shooting by anti-gang activist Terrence Roberts and the layers of community, government, law enforcement, and media that become intertwined in gentrification, violence, and development in Denver. While the in-person festival is finished, individuals can still watch some of the films online. Passes are available at mountainfilm.org.
0: Governor Jared Polis has signed a bill to spend $100 million on programs to reduce homelessness. KOTO Scott Franz has more.
1: Cities and towns can use the money to build emergency shelters and temporary housing for people experiencing homelessness. Funding can also be used for rental assistance programs. Polis says the money will help, but local governments have more power to tackle the issue. The state is pushing local communities to invest, And to be innovative to address this challenge
4: and the state will be a co-investor."
1: The state has not yet announced a timeline for when cities can start applying for the grants, but the money is being transferred to the Department of Local Affairs later this week. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-30s. Thursday, expect sunny skies with a high in the mid-60s. Thursday night should be mostly clear with a low around 40 degrees. Friday calls for mostly sunny skies with a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. And a high in the mid-60s, winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-40s. This has been the news for Wednesday, June 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries.
5: Attention all parents. Do you want to learn practical tools to make parenting fun and rewarding instead of stressful and chaotic? Hi, this is Madeline with Bright Futures. Join us on Wednesday evenings this summer for six weeks of free Love & Logic parenting classes. Sessions start July 13th and space is limited. So contact Bright Futures to register today.
8: Hello, Telluride. This is Megan Barry, director of Rainbow Preschool and Rockies After School Program and Summer Camp. After a two-year hiatus, Rainbow Rockies and Rascals Toddler Program are hosting our annual fundraiser, and it is an extra special year. We will be celebrating fifty years of Rainbow Preschool. This is a huge milestone, and we want the whole community to come out and celebrate with us. If you were a student who attended our programs, if you were a former board member, staff member, or program parent, we want you there. If you've seen our adorable kids walking through town, or if you've walked past our doors, we want you there. After all, it is a community, and we couldn't have created such a special place for children without you all. So please mark your calendars for Friday, June third, at the Transfer Warehouse from five thirty to nine thirty. Tickets are fifteen dollars at the door or from any program parent. A ticket gets you entered into a 2022-2023 Ski Pass raffle, free champagne while it lasts, delicious food, a silent live auction MC'd by Zoe Donnell, live music by Sean Mahoney and Flatliner Express with some special guests, a 50-year slideshow, and a community event to remember. Some amazing auction items will include a balloon ride for two, wood flooring, Wagner skis, fine jewelry, hotel stays, festival passes, and much more. So come on out to the Transfer Warehouse on June 3rd, and we can't wait to celebrate with you all. Thank you, Koto.
0: Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.